It changes your whole way of living when you recognize God is real and God is good. Five eight four two. God is real. John chapter nine. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither did this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, anointed the blind man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, "Go, wash in the pool of Siloam," which means sent. So he went away, washed, and came back seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those who saw that he was blind before. Said, "Isn't this he who sat and begged?" Others were saying, "It is he." Still, others were saying, "He looks like him." He said, "I am he." They therefore were asking him, "How were your eyes opened?" He answered, "A man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, 'Go to the pool of Siloam and wash.' So I went away and washed, and I received sight." Then they asked him, "Where is he?" He said, "I don't know." They brought him who had been blind to the Pharisees. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said to them, "He put mud on my eyes. I washed, and I see." Some, therefore, of the Pharisees said, "This man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath." Others said, "How can a man who is a sinner do such signs?" There was a division among them. Therefore, they asked the blind man again, "What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes." He said, "He is a prophet." The Jews therefore did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight and asked them, "Is this your son, whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see?" His parents answered them, "We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind." But how he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He is of age. Ask him; he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if any man would confess him as Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, "He is of age. Ask him." So they called the man who was blind a second time and said to him, "Give glory to God." We know that this man is a sinner. He therefore answered, "I don't know if he is a sinner. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see." They said to him again, "What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes?" He answered them, "I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't also want to become his disciples, do you?" They insulted him and said, "You are his disciple, but we." Are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered them, How amazing! You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he listens to him. Since the world began, it has never been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were altogether born in sins, and do you teach us? They threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who speaks with you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, that those who don't see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. One thing I know. God is real. One thing I know, God is real. You just heard the entire chapter of John, ninth chapter. And this, of course, is the well-known story of the man born blind that Jesus healed. And they tried to criticize Jesus and come against him and come against the man. They tried to even threaten his parents. And the man brought it down and said, look, said, I don't know who or what Jesus is. He says, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know but one thing. And you have to imagine being born blind, which meant you had never seen the light of day or anything in your whole life. You'd gone through all of life in darkness, and all of a sudden, here comes somebody And I'm sure the parents had taken him to every healer they could take him to. And they said, look, this boy born blind, nothing we can do. So he had resigned himself to his fate. And yet a man comes and and you heard how it would sound. See, even though he could not see, when one sense is removed, it heightens the other senses. So blind people have an extremely acute sense of hearing. They're sensitive to every sound and they learn to differentiate things. So here, this blind man, when he hears Jesus hack up and spit in the mud, he knows what that is. And see, the problem with so many of us, we want to be too sophisticated. And Lord have mercy, many of us, we watched a documentary last week that had a few choice words in it. Do you realize if some of us heard someone hack and spit in the dirt and then take that dirt and put it on our eyes, do you know some of you would say, what in the bank you doing? What in the blank? You ought to have to fill in the blank, but some of y'all can pull some real choice words in that blank. You have to imagine this. Now, and he splashes some wet stuff full of spit and spittle on his eye. 
This is the lowest you can go in terms of sophistication. And somehow when God works like that, he'll send you to something that you think is not sophisticated and not clean. That's why when he told him, man, go and wash in the river that was dirty. He's like, can't you send me to a clean river? Got leprosy. Can't you send me to a clean river? I'm sure some of us would have thought, couldn't you do something different than put mud and spit on my... See, sometimes God has to work in your world and it's mud and spit. You don't want mud and spit. You want champagne. You don't want spit. But sometimes God has to work in your world in something you don't think is sophisticated enough for you because you don't know who I am, do you? That's what Naaman said. said, You don't know who I am. You want to send me down to that dirty river to dip into that river seven times? You don't know who I am. You don't know my education. You haven't seen my bank account. Literally, I preached a sermon when I analyzed all of the value of today of what he brought the prophet. It was over $2 million. So he was saying, you don't know what's in my bank account. You want to send me to something nasty and dirty? You're going to put spit and mud on my eyes? And they came to the man and said, look, what did he do? He bit in my mud in my eyes. Who was he? I don't know. Where did he come from? I don't know. What medical school did he graduate from? I don't know. Was he valedictorian? I don't know. Was he salutatorian? I don't know. What was his GPA? I don't know. Was he magna cum laude? I don't know. Was he summa cum laude? I don't know what laude he was. All I know, he was the Lord. Sometimes, people, you've got to boil some stuff down to what they call the lowest common denominator. And see, let me tell you something. I'm not a stupid man in my own eyes. I'm really not. I'm well educated. When I left my elementary school, the teacher came to me. She said, Nathaniel, you have the highest IQ in the whole school. I wasn't stupid. I was intelligent. But it's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. I got a chemistry degree, but it's a whole lot of stuff about the world I can't put in a formula. I can't predict it. I don't even have a clue as to why or what. And to be perfectly honest about it, I don't even know what or who God is. I'm going to just tell you that right off the bat. I don't know. It's like what God told Job. Where were you when I created the Leviathan? Where were you when I told the sea to come this far and no farther. Where were you? I can't understand all of that. Even physicists now, they're seeking what's called the Higgs boson particle. And they have a nickname for it called the God particle. And they done found a whole lot of stuff, but they can't find God. And because they said there's this particle that holds all of matter... They found the leptons and the quarks, and they found all of these other subatomic particles, but there's something missing, and they've been searching for it, and they call it the God particle, and they can't figure it out. They've now come to the conclusion of where scientists for the longest could not believe how the earth could be created in seven days, and now the theoretical physicists and the particle physicists, they've come to the conclusion 
that the universe really didn't appear with the Big Bang. They say it appeared in literally a billionth of a second. Not seven days. They done dropped it from seven days, which God created the world, but to a billionth of a second. They said from all of the science that we can study, and now that we're getting deeper and having more understanding, it looked like this stuff just showed up. There's no explanation of time and space that will explain something that just showed up. Not in a billionth of a second. They don't know how it happened, but it's like the deeper we get, it's like a light switch was just turned on and all of the stuff just showed up. Now, these are the physicists. These are the great thinkers. These are the scientists. These are the folk who don't believe in God. And they're looking for a God particle. There's something that goes beyond their explanation that they can't understand. They say all of this stuff, in a billionth of a second, it just, not the earth, but the formation of the universe. And it's scientifically impossible because you cannot go thousands of light years in a billionth of a second. They just showed up. And they're trying to understand, even though they're most educated, They've been to the Ivy League schools. They've had all of the courses. They've got computers that are the fastest that they've ever been. Even with all of this, their conclusion is it just showed up. And they're looking for the God particle to try to explain. See, I'm like that blind man. I don't know who God is. Well, like Pastor, you ought to know I don't know who God is. I don't. You can't even see his face and live. So how are you going to understand him if you can't even see his face and live? So I don't understand who. I don't understand what. I don't know what's in the seventh heaven or the first heaven. I don't know what's in hell. Don't want to know. So from the bottom of the depths of hell to the upper levels of heaven. And I'm smart. Y'all say pastor smart. I am technically and verifiably smart. I am smart. But I don't know what's from the bottom of hell to the top of heaven. And most of the stuff here on this earth I don't understand. And I understand way more than most folk. But it's so much that I do not understand. And it's so much you don't understand. I want you to just take this finger and just wiggle it like that. Do you know what makes your finger wiggle? Now, see, you hadn't even thought about, I've got to send the nerve impulses down the neuron through the synapses. I've got to activate some acetylcholine. You know, you don't know all that. (laughs) But there's not a single one of you that cannot do this. And you're doing this. You don't even know how you're doing this. All you know is that you can take this finger and you can wiggle this finger. That's all you know. You're not sure how it's done. So hear this blind man. And all of the Pharisees, these were the preachers of that day. All of them trying to get him to disavow Jesus. Trying to get him to say, well, you know, maybe he used some magic or some sort. I don't know what he did. He said, I don't know whether he is a sinner or not. I only know one thing. That's all I know. And then they went to his parents. Was this boy? Yeah, he was born blind. We know that. Is it your son? Yes, he's our son. We know that. Well, look, I don't know how he got healed. I don't know who he, I don't know none of that. There used to be a program called Hogan Heroes, and 
Sergeant Schultz. Whenever something went wrong and he went to Sergeant Schultz, he was supposed to be in church. Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. I know nothing. So the parents basically had to say, I know nothing. All I know is this is our son. He was born blind, and now he can see. And when they went to the man, it boiled down to this common denominator. Whereas I was blind, now I see. What in your world do you know for sure? What do you know for sure? I took a class when I was in school, and the teacher asked, how do you know you exist? And I actually was the only one who in the class who figured it out. How do you know you exist? And basically the answer that I gave the teacher was the same answer that I later read that Descartes came up with. I think, therefore, I am. And I told the teacher, look, the more I think about this thing, I can't tell you that I'm not in a dream. I can't tell you that I'm not a figment of someone else's imagination. But because I'm sitting here thinking about it, it means I at least exist in that dream and I at least exist as that figment. I can't tell you what I am, but I can tell you that I am. Whatever it is and whatever I am, I'm sitting here asking the question, thinking about it. He said, that is the answer. And that's the only thing you know. I know God is real. I don't know God is real because of education. Education destroys your belief in God. Often even seminary does because they'll teach you some stuff that frankly you can't preach from the pulpit. Education does not bolster your belief in God. I had to go through some things. I had to experience a blinded eye being open. I never was blind, but I had some stuff happen that I could not explain. And I still have stuff happen that I can't explain even now. One thing I know is God is real. And there are three basic types of belief. They boil down to three basic overall categories. First of all, you got atheists, and they believe there is no God. The Bible says a man who has said that there is no God in his heart is a fool. You've got atheists, and they honestly believe there is no God. Then you've got agnostics. And agnostics simply say, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a God or not. I can't prove it one way or the other. I don't know one way or the other. And then you have believers. And I'm sad to say some believers are in truth atheists and agnostics. They come to church every Sunday. But in their heart, they done said, ain't no God. What is the one thing that you know? You don't know you're sitting here on this chair because you might not be. I mean, seriously, you might not be sitting here on this chair. You really don't know what reality truly is. And all of the major religions fundamentally say this earth is an illusion called Maya. So maybe you don't really know you're sitting here on that chair. You really don't. You could be somewhere in somebody's nightmare right now. You really don't know. But the one thing I do know, regardless of the form of whatever is reality, one thing I do know, God is real. God is real. I have experienced it. And see, there comes a point. Jesus says, you know, he said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. I wasn't one of those. I'm going to just be honest. God had to just show me some stuff and prove some stuff to me. I wasn't one of those. 
I got this logical, scientific, intellectual mind that needs proof. And if you ask God for proof, he'll give you some proof. He'll give you some proof. Stuff starts happening. I remember the first words that I heard God speak. First words I heard God speak, I was 33 years old. I was going to a auction to help a friend of mine buy a townhome because he'd lived in apartments all of his life. I saw this advertisement for these townhomes that were going on auction. And I told him, I said, man, look, you need to come out of the apartment. You need to own you something. So I was going with him to actually get him a townhouse and help him get a townhouse. I heard what I called at that time, and I called it that for years, the voice. And I heard something speak that said, you will own seven of those units. And I'm driving, like, what in the, what in the world? Because sometimes when God first appears to you, with most of the people in the Bible, when the angels showed up, scared them to death. They didn't just, oh, I'm so glad to see you. They were scared to death. Sometimes the very presence of God, when God first shows in your life, shakes you to pieces. You will own seven of those units. And I shook it off, but then I couldn't shake it off because it was something that I heard that I'd never heard before. Ended up, went through the auction. The units went so reasonably priced, I bought three of them. But then I remembered the voice said, you will own seven of those units. So I then went to the man who was hosting the auction. I said, look, if anybody else in these deals fall through, let me know, and I would like to buy them. He called me about 10 days later. He said, Mr. Bronner, he said, some of the folk who had bought the unit, they check ain't cleared, and their credit wouldn't go through. And I've got a whole bunch of folk lined up who came to me before you did and said the same thing you did. But you bought three of the units, and your check cleared. So I'm pushing all them folk to the side, and I'm giving you the option to get these other three units. So I ended up with six units. Then the fella who I took to get a unit had bought one unit, but his unit had a crack in the floor. And the auction people said, look, if there's anything wrong with the units, we will repair it to like new. His had a crack in the floor. He said, I want this crack. I said, man, they told you they're going to, I don't want this crack. I said, man, you buying a unit, it's one-third of the market value. It's a phenomenal deal. They're going to fix the crack. Why you going to play? I don't want this crack. Sometimes you don't want a crack. Ain't nothing you can do with folk. He said, I don't want this crack. I said, well, if you don't want the unit, I'll buy the unit. I ended up with seven of those units. Now, this is the other half of that story. That same fella ended up buying a house. Came out of the house years later. He lives in that same unit now and pays me rent. (laughs) I don't want that crack. God is real. He's real. And this whole message today just boils down to trying to get you to understand that one thing. God is real. He's real. And see, your whole worship life, your whole spiritual life won't really kick into gear until you truly internalize that, not intellectualize it. They're two different things. There are some things that you can know from intellect, you know from Scripture, and there are other things that are in your soul. The Bible says, you know, you should rejoice on death and weep upon birth. And I didn't understand that until my brother Darrell passed away. 
And I've told you all that story how James and I stayed in that funeral home and I heard from my brother's voice and I heard him say it's a hundred times better on this side. From that point on, stuff became alive about the other side. But see, if you don't believe in God, ain't no other side. Do you understand? If you don't believe in God, ain't no other side. Which means you live your whole life differently because if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in there's something else, you believe that once you leave this body, it's all over. There's nothing else. It's finished. There's nothing but an unconscious blackness and non-existence. That's what you have to believe if you don't believe in God. So it affects your very outlook on life and it changes the way you live. Imagine if someone told you you only had one year to live. You'd live it differently because I ain't got but a year left. Suppose you believe that after you left this body, there's nothing else. You live it differently because you don't think there's anything else. God is real. You know, I used to wonder, I said, Lord, why don't you just show yourself to folk? You got all power. You know, sometimes you've seen in the movies where you got a villain and they just take over all the TV stations. I said, Lord, why don't you just take over all the TV stations and just show up and just while they watching Days of Our Lives and all this. Why don't you just show up and just come on the TV and say, this is God. And every TV on earth, you come over and you say, this is God in every language on every TV. And you just hold the TV for 24 hours. So they would know without question. Why don't you just appear up in the sky and there would be a thousand foot image of your face. And everybody all over the earth would know without question you exist. Why don't you just manifest yourself in a physical form that can show people without question that you exist. You see, that's what's running through my intellectual, logical mind. Why don't you do that? And I hear God say, I've already done that. The people saw me part the Red Sea. They saw all of the plagues coming. Then I led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I sent down food from heaven every day. They saw the bread fall from the sky every day. And still they wouldn't do right and believe me. So I've already done that. I've shown them my grace and my power and my mercy. I've shown them that day by day by day. And they get used to it. They take it for granted. They start wanting something else. That's why they hollered for a king because they didn't want to hear my voice direct. They sent us a king to rule over us because we don't want to hear your voice direct. I've already done that. So now you've got to make up within your own soul this one thing that you know. God is real. And when you know it in your soul, I mean, not because you didn't read the verse. You got to know this thing in your soul. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. I was at a CEO meeting the other day, and a fellow had an issue. I gave him something to look up, and he emailed me and thanked me for it. And I told him, you need to listen to this sermon. It's called The Secret Verse of Contentment. It was a three-part series. And when I told him he needed to listen to it, I went back and listened to it myself. I said, this ain't powerful. It's called The Secret Verse of Contentment. 
And if you understand the three parts of that verse, it changes the way you walk through life. And when I went back, I realized something. When we watched the documentary, there were two accidents or crashes that occurred. Both of them were motorcycles. One, the fellow was paralyzed. The other person was killed. When I was 14 years old, I had a motorcycle crash. I had to crash because I was racing. 87 miles an hour, went around a curve, didn't make the curve. And I had met people paralyzed. And I knew I should have been seriously injured, but I was just skinned up. I should have been seriously injured or dead, should have been paralyzed. And when I went back and listened to that verse, the secret verse of contentment, listened to that sermon, it brought that back to me. I have been walking, literally, I have been walking in God's grace for 50 years because I should have been paralyzed. I have been walking, and I can walk good too. I have been walking in God's grace for 50, that thing happened nearly 50 years. I was 14 years old. I could have been dead or seriously injured or paralyzed. That's what happened with most people with severe motorcycle accidents because it snaps the spine and they're paralyzed. I should have been paralyzed. I've been walking in God's grace and mercy for 50 years. You can't tell me God isn't real. I've seen stuff and I can go right down the list of how his mercy. See, God's mercy is necessary because we just don't do right. This is all it is to it. We just don't do right. We just don't do right. We just don't do right. And I've had so much stuff when I was single and I had all these women. I was protected. It was unreal. And I saw case after case after case of where there was a hedge around me. And I had to realize, I said, Lord, this is unusual. I done had all these women trying to trap me. And it's like I got the secret service by my side. So I knew, see, the thing about it, I wasn't doing right. See, you don't need grace and mercy when you're doing right. Just like when you're paying your house, they got what's called a grace period. You don't need your grace period if you're on time. You need a grace period when you're late. So you need grace and mercy when you're not doing right. And I've had so many instances of where I just haven't done right, where I've slacked off of what he told me to do. When I should have been making an A, I've been making a C. When I should have been doing 10, I've been doing 5. I've been slacking so many areas of life, but still, God's grace. And I know what grace is that. There's just no question. I see it. I see the blessings. I see the protection. And I see sometimes the chastisement of it. But God is real and God is good. And when you get this stuff in your soul, you don't fear stuff. You know, we've had just a mass of shootings and folks were saying, well, Pastor, what about putting some police outside the church? You know, what about somebody shoot you up? People, a thousand will fall at your left hand and 10,000 at thy right, but it shall not come back. Look, the worst thing can happen the worst that can happen to me is I go to heaven early. That's a hundred times better. That's the worst that can happen. But what if I didn't believe in God? Then you got to worry about it. The Lord, the little bit of time I got left, I can't risk nobody shooting me and taking that little time away. Mm. It changes your whole way of living when you recognize God is real and God is good. It changes how you live. I don't know 
what he is. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know how he made the world by just speaking. I don't understand all of that. I have not found the Higgs bosom. I have not found the God particle. I don't know how it's all held together. There's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know, and the stuff I don't know outnumbers the stuff I do know. I don't know all that. But one thing I know, one thing I know, God is real. I cannot argue with a physicist. I can't argue with a biologist. I can't argue with a chemist. I cannot argue with them on a scientific level because even though Paul said, look, you shall know him by the things that are made. You ought to be able to see this stuff ain't come by by accident. But sometimes people will not recognize the God power because if they recognize there is a God, they recognize they are responsible to that God. And that's what folk don't want to do. They don't want to be accountable. They want to do what they want to do. When you recognize there is a God, then you recognize you are responsible to that God. I can't explain so much in this world. And I only know for absolute sure one thing. I don't know whether God is actually sitting behind a monitor controlling me on a computer program. I don't know all that. I don't know all that. There's only one thing I do know. Whatever his nature is, whatever the form, whatever his infinite power that I can't even begin to comprehend, one thing I know, God is real. And if you get that into your heart, I mean into your heart, it changes you. It changes you. God is real and God is good. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. I didn't start out like I normally do. It started out simply with the Word of God. And no matter what you know, I don't care if I'm talking to those who've got masters and doctors and postdoctorate degrees. I don't care what man has taught you. With all of man's knowledge, there is one thing that surpasses man's knowledge by an infinite multiple. God is real, and God knows more than we do. And the third thing is, we ain't God. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Amen. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was the sermon, titled, God is Real, by Nathaniel Bronner. This sermon is number 5842. That's 5842. To listen to thousands of free sermons, or to send this sermon number 5842 to a friend, go to BrothersoftheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.